My name is Christian Puckett. This is Peacekeeper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Uh, This is great. I'm glad to be able to get this episode in. Episode number 12. Uh, Last week, I did not do a full length episode. I did a four minute episode and I think I was kind of in a, I was in a spot. I was feeling away. I couldn't make it happen, uh, but that's okay. But uh, so yeah, I guess since the last time I did a real podcast, a lot has happened. Yeah, it's been, it's been quite the two to three weeks. Aesop is asleep in the other room. Good for him. He takes solid naps. I'm very thankful for these naps. They're like two or three hours long. um, And they're essential. Anytime he doesn't get a nap, he's more irritable. And mom and dad are also more irritable because we need that break. Okay, so yes, here we are. It's February 1st. Wednesday, and little Ira was born. He was born January 22nd um, at 7.45 in the morning. I'll try my best to recollect the timeline, but it was all kind of a blur. Um, yeah, it was a lot. So... Let's see here. Saturday night, Emily started having some pretty consistent contractions. And uh, so we went into Darlu's on, yeah, so I guess that was the 20, wait, was he born on the 20th or the 22nd? Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, so we, so he was born on the 22nd. So we went on Saturday night, the 21st at like 8.30 p.m., and for the sake of saving, you know, all the nitty gritty, dirty details, there was just a lot of chapters is what, is what we're saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much Emily wants me to get into it, so I'll keep it brief. But it was, it was a long night of being in active labor. Uh, and then... So around like 6.30 in the morning, Emily and I, I'll just say Emily. I mean, <laughs> I had been up for a long time, but uh, I was running on fumes. Emily was running on absolute fumes. Uh, and so the midwives were like, okay, you know what? Let's take a break. Even though we've made a ton of progress, everything has been good. We've been moving along, progressing great. But... I think they could tell that Emily was completely depleted and her body kind of just needed like a little bit of a rest. Um, So we did like one round of the IV painkillers and that was just like a third, it lasts for 30 minutes and it just gave her body, I think enough time to just like take a break, uh, relieve some swelling and then 30 minutes passed Emily wakes up, or I don't even think she fell asleep. I woke up. That was my only, I slept for like 20 minutes. Uh, but uh, then she woke up and things were starting to like really kick into gear, like starting to like really push. And since we were at Darlu's and not at the hospital, they, they're they checking uh, the heartbeat of the baby and Emily really regularly at that point, uh, so close to delivering. And then, so Emily's heart rate started to, I mean, as expected, go up because it's incredibly physically demanding. Uh, But it went up to like 145. And I think the nurses and the midwives are like, okay, that's okay, that's fine. Uh, But if this persists for like more than, you know, around like 15 minutes, we might have to consider transferring to a hospital. 
And then I think the moment that Emily heard <laughs> that phrase transferred to the hospital, she's like, hell no, this thing's coming out. And then literally five, maybe 10 minutes later, out came little Ira. Yeah, that was crazy. Just witnessing childbirth is just brutal and gory and incredible. And Emily absolutely killed it. She did an incredible job. She's incredibly strong. Uh, just the amount of like stamina you have to have in order to go through that is pretty like it's an immense amount of work and just watching her do it. Um, I mean, it brings me to tears. Like whenever the baby came, I just like got super, I mean, when Aesop came, I like started crying. Uh, this one, I think I knew, you know, what I, what we were getting to a little bit more. So, but it's still just like, you can't help but just like choke up because it's just crazy. Just, watching a newborn emerge and just like take its first breath it's like trying to cry but that's a good like you want the baby to cry because that's like their skin and lungs are being introduced to oxygen for the first time and then i got to cut the umbilical cord and what's awesome about dora Luz is that if everything looks good, if everything checks out, if mama's doing good, if baby's doing good, you can just go home. And that's what we did literally five hours after the baby was born. Like we just got to go home. Cause I guess Darlu's philosophy is like, you can recover so much better at home than you can stuck in some like tiny room with your little go bag or at the hospital where you're hooked up to all these machines and the, yeah, that, so the first, whenever we had ASOP, we had to transfer to UNMH. And I think we were just going into it with the mindset, with the Darlu's mindset of like, okay, once he's born, if everything checks out, then we can go home. No, not at the hospital. When you go to the hospital, you are entering into the system the medical fucking system and you don't get a say when you leave like they can they grant you an opportunity to exit and so we just had to like stay at the hospital for like two or three days peak covid couldn't leave the floor Aesop had an ankle monitor on him we got security called on us because like the monitor came loose a little bit and they're like, we need eyes on the baby. Like what the hell is going on at UNMH where they need this like ridiculous security. And anyway, um, so right back to Ira. Oh, he's great. He's doing so well. He was a, he was a big old boy. He was, he was big. He was two pounds heavier than Aesop was because Aesop came a little on the earlier side. Ira came a little on the later side. And so Ira was eight pounds, 12 ounces. So like eight and three fourths a pound. Uh, but he's gaining weight. He's looking good. He's eating good. He's pooping gloriously. Um, all good things. Um, Aesop seems to like him. I mean, who's who's to say, but we'll be like, yeah, I think I already talked about this on the last one, but he knows, like, he can, like, give him a hug, give him a kiss, um, like, squeeze his nose and stuff. Very cute stuff. Um, yeah, so we've been home for like a week or so like let's see here today's yeah so he's about 10 days old right now maybe closer to two weeks and yes everybody's doing well emily is recovering 
great. We're going on walks. We're getting out. We took our first outing the other day because uh, a parent's first outing post-pregnancy, post-delivery, post-labor is you got to go to Target. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Target, but like a lot of people I know that just have kids, just had kids, were like, yeah, our first outing was the Target too. I don't know. It's like millennial Gen Z thing. Anyway, so we went to Target. We're like, this is going to be good. We'll take Aesop. We'll take IR. We'll just grab a few essentials, you know, paper towels, soap, all this stuff. And it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> Aesop, ugh. He just like had a complete meltdown. He didn't want to be in the cart. He was running down the aisles. We we're like trying to gather him and direct him, but he just like doesn't. I think it's just so stimulating for a young brain. Just all this like crazy, ridiculous, colorful shit everywhere. And he just wants to like play with everything, but we're like, no, send the car seat, follow us. We're obviously not like that. We're we're nice to him, but we're nice to a certain extent. Uh, but he just like it was just such a nightmare when we immediately became that family and those parents with that kid. Um <laughs> and Aesop has officially been banned from Target from his parents. Not from not from Target, but we have decided that he is no longer allowed to go to Target. Um, I think he just has a lot of, but immediately after that, we went to the park and he got free reign. Off you go, climb on whatever you want, dig into whatever you want. We just can't do that at Target. But I think he just, he just has so much energy that he needs to let out and, it must suck just like sitting in a car seat for 30 minutes, getting out, sitting in a cart for 30 minutes with all this cool stuff around you, and then getting back in a car. For another, it's like, no, he wants to run around. He wants to go explore. He wants to go get into shit. Uh, so that's what we're learning. Yeah. So we're taking Aesop to the park regularly now uh, just so he can get out all of his wiggles. Also, if Aesop wakes up at any point during this podcast, there will be an abrupt ending, just letting you know. So yeah, Emily and I, um, we've been having a lot of conversations since Ira has been gifted to us, to this planet. Um, yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations about how many kids do we want? Emily and I have been planning uh, our lives, kind of, you know, roughly. And we've been planning on having three kids. Uh, but then little Ira came along. <laughs> and in all honesty, we're pretty seriously reconsidering. Um, we might be done having kids. Um, I think we're both just kind of accepting our situation, which is like the society we live in, our own personal capabilities and capacities, our own mental bandwidth, um, our like geographical location, our house, our vehicles, just like assess, like kind of reassessing where we're at in life. Our fi I mean, our financials. And we're just like, could it be that we just have two kids and like that's enough? Like we can be content with that and actually kind of allow ourselves the bandwidth to give to other aspects of life? Because I think we were just planning. I don't know. We both come from big families, right? So I have three other siblings. So I was, I was one of four kids. Emily was one of four kids. Um, you know, my family on my mom's side is really big. Um, 
we've been really close with like my Nana and my uncle G for a long time. And so it's just like, we just have big family energy. Um, and so there is sort of this like emptiness that we're trying to figure out. We're trying to like see what that's all about. Like, why do we feel this kind of this void with only two kids? Um, we're just like feeling it. Right. I mean, luckily we don't have to make a decision right now, but we kind of do have to make a decision kind of soon. Um, cause Emily was saying like, we need to, it would be good to know if these are like our last moments in this season, in this stage of life, like with a newborn, with a one week old, with a two week old, if you kind of know that that's coming down the pipeline again, I mean, of course you still savor it, but you, you probably don't savor it as much as if like, okay, this is the last time we're ever going to have a newborn. And I think we're, I don't know, like for me personally, I'll just speak for myself. I'm trying to like gauge why do we want to have another kid? Is it for like personal reasons? Is it for selfish reasons? Is it for their sake? Is it for Aesop and Iris sake? Like who is because it's such a massive question of like bringing another life into this world. And that's like our choice. Um, But I guess for me personally, I would only be doing it out of this sort of obligation to bring in more kids or because I feel this like emptiness without a third kid or I'm trying to fill this void but it's like, is that something that's just within me and not in my immediate circumstances? Or would actually having a third kid satisfy that desire? Would a third kid actually fill that void? Or would I or would that void just continue just because parents with small children's like small children just kind of crave another newborn like is there some sort of parental instinct that's at play i don't know who knows but we're just having the conversation that i probably initiated because <laughs> i was like oh oh my god i don't i don't know i really don't know if i have the mental bandwidth for three kids again i i really think we could we could of course we could do it but at what point does it start to come at the cost of me? At what point does it start to come at the cost of Emily? I mean, that's such an incredibly physically demanding task to bear a child and to raise three kids for, you know, eight another 18 years. And it's like, Emily and I have stuff that we want to accomplish in life, right? I mean, Emily's going to get her career back up and running once the kids are going to school. I'm going to go back to school. I'm trying to, like, focus on work and, and then other aspects too, right? Like hobbies and friendships and traveling. It's like all of that would be so much more manageable with just two kids. Because when you have three, you are officially outnumbered, right? I mean, just think of like getting on a, a plane with two young kids. It's like, okay, I got one, you got one, let's go. Granted, it's <laughs> it's not that easy, but... um, And especially, so if I'm going to be working more and if i'm gonna like try to focus on going back to school or like uh really investing a lot of time into this podcast or like my work i'm getting my workstation all set up then i mean there's gonna be a lot more time that emily has to watch the kids and i think 
it would probably be easier for her to just watch two as opposed to three. Uh, and then there's other things like this, like third room. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm, I'm a selfish person. I really am. I admit that. Um, there's just certain qualities of life that we would have to give up. Like we would probably have to upgrade a new car. Lots of things. So anyway, we're just talking about it. But I think at this point, we're kind of leaning towards being done. Um, and that's okay. I think there was part of us, Emily especially, that was like really hoping to have a girl at some point. Um, but then she's like, why? <laughs> like, it's okay. But then also there's the possibility of three boys, right? I mean, that would be a lot too. A lot of testosterone in the air. Uh, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to shelve it for right now. We're going to continue to have conversations, but for me personally, even though I would be kind of fighting this feeling of a void, I think it would really be, I, I think I'm just, I am self-aware enough to know my capabilities and my own capacity. And I think that mama and mom and dad would <laughs> mama and dada would be it would just be a little bit easier on them if they just had two kids okay that's my baby talk baby talk emily and i have been <laughs> we use this voice with aesop where we go like ooh butter or like ooh fuzzy blanket and so Aesop's starting to mimic that. He's going, <laughs> anytime he wants his fuzzy blanket. <sighs> Aesop, you sound funny. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to the next topic, which is, oh, I had therapy today. Okay, so yes, I officially started therapy. And... I had my first appointment today. It was like an intake session. Uh, her name is Nina. She lives in Florida. She's from Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, okay, so I briefly discussed it last four-minute episode podcast, but Whole Foods started saying that they're taking mental health seriously, which is cool. And so um, all Whole Foods employees now get access to ginger therapy, like ginger, the name of the company is called Ginger Counseling or Ginger Therapy, and Headspace. We just get like free access to Headspace and Ginger. And they'll cover seven sessions per issue per year which is pretty cool and then I heard I just kind of heard they're like yeah you could just like come up with another <laughs> issue after you're done and they'll cover it um, and yo I got plenty of issues take a pick uh, we can go over any of them uh, so that's great so I started that it's on it's all just like video um, like on my phone, virtual visits. And I already just feel so much better about it. Like I've really been craving going to therapy for a long time, for a very long time. And I went to one, I like a, or I, I think it was this time last year or maybe, I don't know, it was last year at some point. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, bite the bullet, go for it. And so I went to this place here in town and I met with this guy and it was like pretty Christian focused. And the guy that I met with, I just like immediately knew that we just did not click at all. 
Like we were just like completely different people. And I just knew it was off. I was like, I don't, I don't feel right about this. And so I just like didn't go back. Also, my insurance covered $10 of it. It was like a $150 appointment. It's like, I'm not going to pay 140 bucks to like talk to some random guy that I don't respect and he doesn't care about me. Not that I expect them to care about me, but it was just like it left a bad taste in my mouth. So, uh, but this one, uh, this girl, I actually felt like I resonated with her. Um, and I just, what I hope to get out of therapy is just like a broader perspective on my life. And I just like want bigger picture wisdom from somebody that's like completely removed from my life and my circumstances and my situation and my upbringing and my, I mean, even stuff like the culture of New Mexico and just like somebody completely different can just like peek into my life and hopefully give me some insight into like fine tuning some things or maybe readjusting my thinking or give me a new perspective. Um, and she was already asking me some pretty hard hitting questions. And I was like, yes, I thank you. I don't know. It was just good. I got like a good vibe from it. So I'm going to be doing that weekly until I run or until they stop covering it. But then I also get, I have a health savings account through Whole Foods that they'll put 1300 bucks in every year. And so I've got like, you know, five, 600 bucks in there right now. And so I, I might just like keep going until that runs out or I'll just come up with <laughs> another issue. Uh, right now they got me down for anxiety and depression. Um, she said it was more severe, like anxiety than depression. I like filled out this questionnaire thing. Um, and then also just like stress management and stuff, you know, tools for dealing with stress. Uh, so she sent me like this thing that she gave me some homework. I have to fill out this survey thing where she's going to see if, she said that she doesn't think I have ADHD, but she's like, I just kind of want to rule it out uh, just to like figure out what method of therapy to use or like method of counseling, whatever it was. And so, yeah, again, I'm just, I think this is going to be really good for me. Um, I don't know anybody out there that would not benefit from going to therapy find a therapist you like find one that resonates with you find one in your same religion if you want um i think it's good to just talk to people that could potentially have a broader perspective on the human brain and how we like deal with the harsh realities of life so I'll honestly, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of another, this is not therapy, but there is therapeutic aspects to doing this podcast. So I'm probably going to like be discussing what is going on in my therapy sessions on this podcast, just because I think it helps me process a little bit. And so again, this is not for you. This is for me. <laughs> Hopefully I can be able to like verbalize some stuff I'm trying to work on and work out. Um, yeah, I think there is part of me that's been a little bit down lately. I've been a little bit on the sadder. I wouldn't say full blown like depressed, but I've just been kind of like erring on the side of sadness lately. And I have a few reasons why I think that is. Uh, first of all, 
anytime I kind of switch up my schedule this drastically, it kind of just throws me off, uh, both physically and mentally. Um, like I'm, I have been for the last six months waking up at 5 a.m. every single day, going to work five days a week, uh, you know, getting there at 6 a.m. and then just immediately getting after it, right? Um, so my job is like pretty physically demanding and I'm just active from like, like super active from 6 a.m., to 2 p.m. five days a week and then on the other days like my circadian my circadian rhythm is pretty locked in that I just kind of wake up at the same time on my days off and I'll typically go for like a walk or a run or go with Aesop and try to stay active I I do I obviously take it much easier on my days off just because I do want to rest and recover too but I was just used to a certain level of a certain threshold of physical activity every single day. And then that immediately dropped off. I can look at my health trends on my phone because I use my Apple watch a lot. And (laughs) there's like this distinct, like absolute drop. Like right when I stopped working, right? Like right when this leave started, like it was like you were averaging 11,000, 12,000 steps a day. And then now you're averaging 3,000 steps a day. Now you're averaging 4,000 steps a day, like somewhere in there. And then it's like you had an hour's worth of activity or uh, exercise every single day, and now you have three minutes of it. So it's just like, okay, my body is used to a certain level of activity. I am not fulfilling that bar. And then also I'm like sleeping in a little bit later now. Uh, Sleep has also been a little bit disrupted. Luckily, I still sleep pretty good. Um, Emily has been like really taking charge of baby Ira and I've been really taking charge of Aesop. Um, And Aesop sleeps great, which is good. Uh, But then Ira will wake up about two or three times a night and be up for like an hour or so. I don't know. But luckily, (laughs) I'm very blessed that Emily is on nighttime newborn duty. And doo-doo duty. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay, so that's one reason. Um, Another reason is that it's winter, and I don't like winter. I really, I think I do get seasonal affective disorder or whatever the sad acronym is. Uh, I despise winter. It does nothing for me. I hate it. I don't find it beautiful. There's, yeah, it's frustrating. But I do, I think, get seasonally down. Um, Spring and summer and parts of fall I'm all in. I love just going outside, spending as much time as possible, being active, going out and doing things. Uh, But when you're like cooped up in your house because it's freezing and windy outside and it looks ugly and it's just like brown and there's all your plants that I care so much about are just like dead. It's like, this is a bummer. Um, and then I think just the shift in, you know, anytime (laughs) your life shifts and you're like reassessing everything and it's just like, I think I'm just like kind of generally down. Um, but I do feel like it's not something I'm worried about. I think a lot of it is kind of situational. And I do have tools that I can use in order to kind of combat that. Um, Like for me, I really think that breathing exercises and meditation and sleeping well and 
honestly, being active, I think that's a big contributor for me. Uh, if I can be pretty dang active at least five to six days a week, um, if I can continue to, you know, eat really good, drink really good water, I guess it's just like I I do well with routine. And my routine got totally uprooted, and that's okay. But I just need to reestablish a routine. I need to be able to rebound, to bounce back, to not like let it spiral or um, manifest into something greater, but just like accept it, feel it, realize it, and then do something about it. And that's, I, I, I do feel confident that I'm able to. I mean, obviously, I'm like, going, I'm starting therapy. I'm like, I'm acknowledging that, yeah, shifts have been happening. And I think I know what I need to do. Um, and then also just like be patient and be okay with things taking time. All right. Let's see. What else do I want to talk about? I feel much better about this podcast than I did the last one. I kind of felt like a bum the last one, but... Okay, so... Do I want to talk about marijuana? Or shall I say cannabis? Sure, why not? I'll talk about it a little bit. So... I used to be pretty straight edge when it came to drugs of any kind. I didn't smoke weed or drink alcohol or smoke any, you know, do any sort of drugs or smoke cigarettes or anything like that until I was around like 19 or 20. And my first interaction with weed I was up in the mountains with my buddy Colton and Levi back in the day. And that was the first time I smoked weed. We like went kind of hiking up like behind the Sandias and brought some weed and then just got like lost in the mountains. And we probably weren't as lost as we thought we were. But when you're 19 years old and it's your first time smoking weed, you're just like, what we're lost we're gonna i mean i don't think i was actually that stressed out it was just like so fun and funny and uh and then we finally made our way back and then we ate some good snacks and it was everything was just like incredible tasting and everything was hilarious and yeah you definitely remember the first time you smoke weed and just like what that feeling is like um but yeah, ever since then, I, so like, I guess between the ages of 19 to 20, I would smoke weed pretty consistently, um, maybe every day, but like, I don't smoke a lot whenever I do. Like I, I've always had and still do have a very low tolerance for weed, so um, it really only takes me like, I'll just take like one small hit or puff or drag or whatever word you want to use for that. <laughs> That's a uh, proper medical dosing term. Um, dosing dosage term anyway. Uh, yeah, so not a lot, but I would do it pretty regularly. And then Whenever I went through all my health stuff, um, I actually was able to qualify for a medical cannabis card. Uh, so I've had my medical card for a long time. I think I was like 21, 22 when I got it. So I've had it for like five years at this point. And <laughs> for a long time, I was like the plug for everybody. Uh, that's illegal, right? I'll edit that out. No, I won't. I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so all the, I mean, just like all the friends would 
come to me whenever they wanted the medical stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it's probably been my, yeah, I don't know what you want to call it. Do you want to call it a drug? Do you want to call it a mind altering substance? Do you want to call it just a plant? Do you want to call it an herb? Um, it is a plant that produces a chemical that affects your brain, right? There's a number of those, but this is just one of them. And it's kind of my go-to, I guess for simplicity, I'll just call it a drug. But sure, yeah, I mean, it is a drug. It's a drug. Uh, there's lots of drugs that we consume, some more socially acceptable than others, right? Um, I've never been an alcohol person. I really, alcohol, eh, I don't know. I mean, I would drink a lot as like, uh, like in my twenties, I mean, I'm still in my twenties, but like in my, in my younger twenties, but yeah, for whatever reason, alcohol is just like never really done it for me. It's never really scratched that satisfying itch for me. Uh, but it's, it's pretty heavily dominant in New Mexico. There's like a big alcohol scene here. And that's kind of the thing to do when you're in New Mexico. Um, or at least in a lot of circles, it's just like hit up the breweries, go downtown, go to Anodyne, hit up sister. Let's, let's go to ex novo. And I'm like, I never really cared for it, but then once I started going through all my health stuff, I was just like, why? Like, I don't need, I don't need to drink anymore. So I haven't really drank a drink, an alcoholic drink in like a couple years, maybe like I, like every once in a while I'll have like a sip of wine or like try like somebody's beer or whatever it is. Like if it's good. Um, but I just like, eh, I could take it or leave it. And then if I can take it or leave it, then I should just leave it. Um, cause I think that it also is pretty toxic to humans when done in abundance, but even less than that, like, um, I think people really overdo it on alcohol and that's just kind of normalized. Uh, but yeah, I will, I, I kind of just gravitate towards weed. Um, I like the perspective that it gives me of just kind of viewing the world. It kind of just humbles me. Um, it does give me a bit of anxiety sometimes, not all the time. I guess it kind of just depends on the strain. Um, and maybe that will be a part of my therapy is, hey, try not to smoke weed for a while. I didn't smoke weed for about a year, like when Aesop came. Um, I think like six months before he came and up for about, yeah, probably around like six months after he came, I didn't smoke weed at all. And, you know, it was fine. I didn't feel... Any, I don't. I mean, I don't think I felt worse. I don't think I felt better. Um, but I think at that time it was like really giving me pretty severe anxiety, uh, just because I would kind of catastrophize and go to worst case scenarios whenever I would. And then I think just the stress of COVID, having a new baby, my health is all fucked up what is this life? And so I was like, I need to take a break. Uh, but once I feel like I kind of, I don't know, worked out some of my fears with have like becoming a parent. And once COVID kind of died down, or I guess just like the crazy fear everybody had of the coronavirus died down. I kind of got back into it. And now I'm kind of back to where I was, which is a still a very, very light user of weed. I will probably smoke 
three to four times a week. And I'll take just like a tiny hit. I want to figure out what dose you're getting with like with your average hit. Um, I don't, I don't do any sort of like bongs or dabs or, I mean, I did a dab one time and I was like, what on earth? Like this is, that's like the, <laughs> like comparing doing a dab to like alcohol is like going to a bar and downing five shots of vodka, like back to back or like drinking probably i mean more than that like drinking i don't know whatever i'm trying to make a stupid comparison but doing a dab or hitting a bong is like drinking a bottle of wine or going way hard on alcohol versus having a half a glass of wine or having a 12 ounce beer or like something very you know having a hard kombucha or a cider or something I even feel like I don't even get that. Like, I don't even feel it that much. Um, I do. I am curious about like the dosage of what your average hit of weed is like how many milligrams or whatever it is of THC and CBD are you getting? I'm also a big CBD fan. Um, I take CBD really consistently, um, whether that's oral or like taking capsules or uh, CBD salves and lotions and stuff like that. I have a pen that's like one-to-one CBD THC. That's really nice. Just kind of calming, kind of calms the system, calms my brain a little bit. I think that's what I worry about. I'm just wondering if it's calming my brain just a little bit too much, you know, I go back and forth uh, and I know that there's been like a lot of smart people that have had takes on it recently. Um, Andrew Huberman specifically did like a whole two or three hour long podcast of just going all over all the aspects of weed and what it does to your, like your brain and your body and going over like the neurochemistry of what it's actually doing at like a molecular level. And that was good. And I did kind of feel a little bit convicted after hearing that episode. But then I was, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm at a point where I'm asking the question, do I want to change this habit? Is this a habit that I think would benefit? Okay, well, there's there's also the conversation of I know that. I know it's not the most beneficial thing for me. I know that the body is... All right, I'm going to paint broad strokes here or speak in broad... What's the term? What's the phrase? Uh, I'm going to brush large strokes, stroke large brushes. I'm going to speak in large terms. I don't even know what I'm saying. Okay, anyway, back to whatever I was talking about. I think the body is best when you just leave it be, right? The least amount of inputs you can put into your body, the better. Um, And that goes for substances. That goes for food. That goes for like what you consume that goes for the media you intake. Um, I think that our bodies are better equipped to return to equilibrium whenever we just let them be, whenever we stop bringing in all these things that it's trying to sort out, trying to figure out, trying to assess and, utilize. And so I'm pretty regularly, I mean, my body's very familiar with weed at this point, right? Um, it's been introduced a long time ago and it kind of processes it every, you know, pretty consistently for the last eight years. 
Um, and so what would, how would my body respond if I just like immediately stopped it? Um, it would, you know, if I'm being honest, it would probably be better, but I like it. And I, like, I, I enjoy it. And so what level of doing things that you know are not beneficial for you, but you enjoy them, like what level of participating in activities like that can you get by with? Can you let slide? I'm very disciplined and regimented and on it with a lot of aspects of my life, with my diet, with my exercise, with my sleep, with, you know, like my, my family relationships. Um, I guess speaking more of like my wife and kids, I know there's a lot of other family relationships that I do need to work on. Um, but anyway, I am pretty, you know, on top of it with a lot of aspects in my life. And I don't quite have a lot of like indulgent pleasures that I partake in a lot of the time. Um, but this is one of them. And so it's like, okay, I know my true, like if I were to go, if I were to go a hundred percent on every single aspect of my life and giving a hundred percent towards being the absolute best and living up to my fullest potential in every aspect of my life. So I sleep perfectly. I drink perfectly. I eat perfectly. I get the perfect amount of sunlight and my relationships are perfect and I don't have any stress or any like, anxieties or like I'm loving to everybody. It's like, right. That is a theoretical potential that I could potentially obtain. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum, right? I could completely just give up in every single aspect of life. I could say, fuck off to sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Uh, stay up till 6 a.m. in the morning, hit the fridge every single hour, hit the drive-thru, go get DoorDash, fast food, cheap food, sugary drinks, alcohol, smoking cigarettes, just like hitting all the hard drugs, uh, you know, neglect work, uh, relationships falling apart all around me. So that's another hypothetical and theoretical scenario that I could obtain. <laughs> okay, so if there's the spectrum, right, of living the worst, laziest, most ludicrous life versus the highest potential, disciplined, self-control, all that, like, living peak, peak potential, right? Where am I on that spectrum? Um, I don't know, maybe three-fourths? maybe two thirds. Um, I'm, I'm somewhere above the middle. Like I'm in between the middle and the highest potential, I believe. Okay. Do I want to be, I had a hundred percent. Like, would I be satisfied with that? Aren't there aspects of life that you want to kind of enjoy? Like everybody around, like nobody lives like that. Right. Everybody has a cheat meal. Everybody indulges into watching YouTube for two or three hours, right? I mean, everybody consumes entertainment. Everybody's listening to guilty pleasures. Everybody's, you know, eating stuff they shouldn't or maybe sleeping in a little bit too long. Or it's like everybody has their thing, right? That they kind of like let slide because they get some joy out of it that's kind of my thing with weed is that it's like, I feel relatively good in a lot of aspects of my life. Sure. I am. I'm not perfect. I really am not. 
Um, but I'm kind of just like letting weed slide for right now because I don't think that it is a huge red flag to my health. I actually really don't. Um, I know that inhaling smoke is not ideal, but it's such a small amount and it's not like the dosage is so small and I really, really do try to get like as much fresh air as possible, you know, living in a city, it's kind of hard, but I really focus on the quality of air that I breathe and I think our bodies are equipped to handle a little bit of stressor every once in a while. I'm not saying that it's like the healthiest thing in the world. I'm really not, but I'm just saying that I think our body has systems in place in order to be able to handle a little bit of a dip every once in a while. Like as long as I can like bounce back, as long as I make sure like (laughs) the other week, (laughs) I literally, okay, this is bad but I don't really care. Uh, The other week, okay, so cigarettes are another thing, right? I could kind of take or leave cigarettes. I've never really been addicted to them, but I was kind of like a social cigarette smoker with my friends growing up. Um, But I bought a pack of turquoise American spirits probably honestly like four months ago. (laughs) They're organic tobacco, Sure, it's just probably a marketing ploy, but they got me. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for organic. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is organic tobacco. Um, Nicotine could actually have some like health benefits in moderation is what I've heard from this. I guess there's been some like neuroscientists and professors of neurobiology i'm talking about andrew huberman but i feel like scientists and biologists have kind of that have studied nicotine have kind of come to the conclusion that it actually could be a little bit beneficial kind of similar to like caffeine right um obviously the method and the medium in which you consume that uh could be the deal breaker but um There's nicotine in foods, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that there's, like, some fruits and vegetables that obviously it's very, very small amounts, but that's, like, a plant substance, right? It's a plant chemical. I believe it's an insecticide, actually. Um, But anyway, um, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll buy a pack of American Spirits, organic tobacco, and so I smoked one. And it was kind of nice, right? I was like, okay, I can, I can, <laughs> I get the appeal again. Cause I, at that point I had not smoked a cigarette in like four years. Um, so anyway, I smoked a cigarette and it felt pretty good. But then the pack literally just sat in my drawer for like a month went by, two months went by. And then I was like, yeah, I'll have another one. So I had another one and then I smoked half of it and I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. But then a couple weeks ago, I (laughs) emptied out half of the tobacco and put a little bit of (laughs) weed in it, made myself a little spliff, Um, and I went for a run and smoked a cigarette. I smoked a spliff while going for a run. I just like ran around the block a couple times, and it felt so good, like man, I just felt so alive. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm confident in my lungs. I really am. Um, obviously you don't want to drive behind a big diesel truck that's spewing out fumes. Obviously you want to be aware of like your potential of, you know, potential toxins in the air, or you don't want to just like stand above your stove if you're like, if you have a gas stove, that's another thing I've been kind of cautious of is PSA. If you all are out there and you have a gas stove, just be sure that you're turning on that vent, right? Or if you don't have a vent above it, you should crack a window and maybe a door. Um, I think 
I think there's been a little bit of research that has come out lately that's like, um, maybe, yeah, it could just be potentially slightly harmful for you. I'm not going to get into it because I really don't know all the details. Um, but it makes sense, right? I mean, we have uh, these like gas flames like cooking our food. I just cook it home all the time, right? I essentially eat 100% of my meals at home, so I'm cooking on my stove a lot. And so if that's something I'm doing literally two to three times a day, like I just want to be sure that I'm, you know, turn on that vent, get that, get those fumes out of your house. Um, but anyway, back to my lungs. I, I, I don't worry about my lungs right now. Um, I am decent, uh, when it comes to doing cardio, like I don't get out of breath really easily. Um, I don't feel like my smoking patterns have, uh, like substantially or, I mean, I can't feel, honestly, I could smoke a, I could take a hit of weed or smoke a cigarette right now and then go for a run. Like I don't, I don't have like, I'm not like coughing or I have a bunch of phlegm. Like a lot of my friends that have been smokers for a long time kind of have, um, I think it's so like, it's such a few and far between activity for me that maybe my lungs are dipping a couple percentage points for a few minutes, but I'll take, I'll, you know, I'll get a good night of sleep and then I'll be recovered. Bro science, you know, that's how my brain works. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, that's the ultimate definition of bro science. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, okay, so yeah, back to weed. I'll probably wrap up here in a minute, but I enjoy weed. Um, I found a place here in town. It's called Seven Point Farms. And so all the weed that you get medically in New Mexico has to be grown in New Mexico. Um, but the quality, you know, is not necessarily regulated. I'm sure it is to a certain extent, but I think, I don't know how much like regulation they have with like how you grow it. Um, and I'm such a person that's like, connected to the soil and the sun and how something is grown and you know inputs like you know how are they dealing with pests or are they using synthetic pesticides or I don't know like there's there's a lot of stuff that kind of I really focus on but I found a place here in town called Seven Point Farms it's on Manal and Pennsylvania next to Charlie's records and Charlie's hunting sports and hunting or whatever. Uh, but they, at least like their mission statement or like what they're all about is like, they're all about sun and soil. So they grow like they really, um, focus on creating a healthy ecosystem for their plants, like they'll plant it along other plants. Uh, there's like beneficial microbes in the soil. Uh, and then they grow it outdoors, right? So it's not like in these hydroponic uh, greenhouses where it's like everything is like artificial and they just like have the NPK, which I think is nitrogen, phosphate, and whatever it is. I don't remember. Potassium. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, it's like the key ingredients that you need to grow plants a lot of places will just like artificially get those chemicals throw it in some water and you can kind of grow whatever you want indoors under like fake led lighting it's like yeah but that's like the potential thing we were talking about earlier right i'm sure a wild out in the sun, battling the wind, battling, you know, pests and rodents and, uh, you know, you're in soil that's connected to so many different plants around you and you're like communicating through the mycelium and that's a much healthier plant than one that's like coddled and grown indoors and 
just has all these like artificial nutrients sustaining them. Um, that's how I think a lot of weed is grown. It's just like in these like artificial greenhouses. Uh, but anyway, again, shout out to seven point farms on Manolan, Pennsylvania. I think there's a couple places here in town that, uh, quote unquote, follow organic practices, but there's no way in hell that the USDA is going to officially certify a federally illegal substance. <laughs> um, man, it's crazy. That is still federally illegal. That's crazy. Not New Mexico, though. Whew. Okay, I'm going to call it. That's about it. Um, oh, yeah, I got this whole new setup. Um, so, I'm, yeah, again, I'm currently in the process of setting up the pod studio. So I literally, just like an hour ago, I uh, just got back from a Craigslist deal where I bought this chair and this table, both for $80 or $80 for both of them. Uh, I literally just went to buy this chair for $60 and then they were trying to get rid of everything in the house. So I was like, that table wouldn't by chance be for sale, would it? Because that's like the exact table I'm looking for. She's like, yeah, 20 bucks and it's yours. Heck yeah. So what's nice is that um, I've got my other mic set up on my computer desk right now, but I'm going to move it here whenever I have guests on. And I have another uh, chair in our living room that I can pull in and that will be the guest chair, but it's ready to go. It's ready to go for guests. Um, obviously, it's kind of been ready to go, but I kind of wanted to get in this room and get settled in before I had other guests on. Um, but I feel good. I feel good about... <laughs> I think I think I need to have a guest on. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit too comfortable with these solo episodes. Uh Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. This has been, I think this was episode 12. Yeah, this is episode 12. The Peacekeeper podcast. Yes, things are good. We're moving forward. I got another podcast down. And yeah, spring is around the corner all good things. All right, everybody have a good day. Thank you for listening. If you're on YouTube, you're probably already subscribed. That's true. But if you're not, if you could subscribe, that would be great. If you are on Spotify or Apple podcasts or audible or Google podcasts, I think I'm on all of them. Uh, leave me a review. Whatever you think, whatever you think, however many stars you want to give me, that's up to you. Um, I will be back next week and that's all I have. All right. Enjoy your week. Bye.